Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the You Can Do It Too podcast by Mamba Inspire. I am Mamadou Balde, I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to both showcase black excellence and increase awareness of the multitude of career possibilities out there for up-and-coming black professionals. This podcast will assist in breaking stigmas, barriers, and helping black students believe that they are smart enough to be future doctors, engineers, educators, and entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have an amazing guest with us, Dr. Pillow. He's an emergency medicine physician at Baylor School of Medicine. He got his undergrad degree at Rice University. Then he got his medical school degree from Baylor College of Medicine. From there, he did his residency at the University of Chicago. After that, he came back to Texas. Right now, he holds the positions of associate professor, residency program director, and medical director at the Office of Curriculum in Baylor School of Medicine. He practices medicine at multiple hospitals, including Texas Children's Hospital and Ben's Hospital. How are you doing with everything going on right now around the world? I know it's crazy out there. How are you going, especially in your job? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am an emergency physician, so dealing with these things on the front line, but uh, overall doing well. I think uh, these are big challenges, not only to Texas and our institution, but to the world. And uh, you, you, you can only adapt. You do your best with what's in front of you every day. You take uh, one moment at a time. I think uh, for me, it's actually helped clarify what's very, very important in my life and what can fall off because it's not important. And wow. also to take advantage of uh, the moments I have. I have young kids, so I'm very much enjoying every moment I have with them, uh, as well as uh, the opportunity to help out people getting sick, uh, help out <clears throat> continuing to uh, educate residents and students and everything involved in that. That's amazing, definitely. And I know uh, when the coronavirus started, it was more around the New York area. And recently, Houston became one of the main cities. And Baylor uh, is, def- is, one of the, is uh, definitely in Houston. How overwhelmed has it been for, for you guys as far as the facilities and everything? You know, we've been, we've been pretty blessed. I think that the Texas Medical Center was able to come together and create good plans to help manage these patients. I think that uh, we definitely, uh, our, our prayers were out for our colleagues in New York, but we definitely took some of their lessons and tried to do better uh, for our patients based on the things they learned and they themselves learning to, to uh, take care of these sick patients and do better for them as well. And so uh, it, it's been challenging, but it has not been impossible by any means. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud that uh, to be part of the response and see everything that Houston has done to respond to this. Definitely. And, and again, I know because of this situation, the, priority, the priorities have shifted. But on a regular day, uh, as an emergency physician, usually, like before all this started happening, what's your day-to-day like? Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, again, my word's going to be blessed, but I'm actually blessed to primarily be an educator um, on top of being an emergency physician. And Mm -hmm. so uh, not only are we taking care of these uh, sick patients that present patients 
who are underserved, uh, underinsured, uninsured, but we also have the privilege to train students and residents, uh, PA students, nursing students, nurse practitioner students, whatever it may be, or whoever it may be, to take care of these patients as well. And so that that is my day to day. When when <clears throat> my a good day for me uh, could be a clinical shift, or it could be a teaching session, or it could be a meeting where we figure out how to take feedback and make what we're doing better. So it actually varies a lot. Definitely, okay. Did you grow up in Houston? No, actually St. Louis, Missouri. Wow, wow, so, so you took that, that big. Yeah, <laughs> I took a little, to... little jump there, this, uh, headed down south. Uh, you know, there's a saying, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got there as quickly as I could. Yes, so, sir. I heard about that before. I, I was told that before also because I came originally from Guinea, uh, West Africa. Yeah, Definitely. You get to Texas as soon as you can, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what was growing up uh, in St. Louis, Missouri as a young black man? Uh, I, I, I must say in the 1980s, 90s. <laughs> I'm going to guess your age. That's very generous of you. It was the 80s. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm actually uh, still young uh, and still early in my career. But uh, the, uh, you know, for me, so uh, born in 79, growing up in the 80s, 90s, um, the, one of the things that's uh, very underappreciated, I think, overall, when people see me, is the sacrifice that my parents went through to make sure I had the best. And they didn't necessarily have the best. Uh, my Both my mother and my father's family are from Mississippi originally. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother has stories of watermelons being thrown at them uh, wow. and children. Um, and so uh, my parents really worked to make sure that as much as possible, we were protected from those things, but also uh, that we had real life lessons. Uh, from the earliest I can remember, one of the biggest lessons my mother uh, would repeat all the time, despite the fact that she did our best every day to make sure we were well fed, had everything we needed. She said, life isn't fair, so you know, don't expect it to be. Right. Wow. Then she showered us with love, gifts, uh, support, everything. But, you know, really made us understand that this isn't supposed to uh, there isn't supposed to be a silver spoon in your mouth. Nothing's owed to you from that standpoint. So we, we got to see that model a lot. And, you know, my father working every day, making sure that the family's taken care of, uh, things are funded. Uh, so the for for us, I have a brother and a sister, both of them are professionals. Um, the, for us, it was really a framework of realism, um, love, uh, support, nurturing, but it was always real. You understood that you were an African-American and what, uh, at that time and, you know, obviously now is still, um, a primarily, uh, white America and what that meant. Um, and so I, I really, really benefited. Actually, all three of us really benefited from that sort of loving but realist approach. Definitely. When exactly did you know that you wanted to go into medicine? Uh, I am, and this is the reason I use the word blessed. Uh, this was my calling, and I have been very blessed to largely have a direct path to my calling without too many hiccups or distractions. 
uh, early on, I remember very distinctly, um, I have a wonderful wife now, beautiful family, but before I even thought of those things, my mother, uh, my mother told me, uh, she was trying to protect me. So she was trying to get me places she thought was safe. So she had, you had three options. You can be a priest, a lawyer, or a doctor. Right? It was very straightforward. I was going to do big things. I needed to pick one of them. So before, when I was five or six, and I remember this, before I liked girls, I said, you know what, I'll be a priest. It seems pretty straightforward. I don't have to deal with those women or anything. You know, fast forward a little bit, puberty hits, and you say, well, not a priest. Let's move on to lawyer or doctor, right? Yes, and so yeah. doctor was the one that stuck out for me, and it's just uh, been my path. During that, so since that was crafted in your in your heart and mind, and you started working toward those goals, I'm guessing during your high school or middle school, even like what were some systems that were set up? As I know, you talked about your mom making sure showering you with love and giving you everything you need to succeed. But what were some systems uh, that were keeping you just in check, focus on your goal when you were out there in the world? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, I think the, the several things, actually. I think the biggest thing, and this is why uh, now that I have my own children, uh, parenting is a job. Parenting is essentially a 24-7, 365 job. And so, one of the things that my parents were able to do were to make sure that we were we were given a framework, we were given freedom, but also clear boundaries. So it was not acceptable to be out past a certain time. It was not acceptable not to do your work. It was not acceptable to do things that uh, some uh, lead some others astray at the young age. And so, uh, and this is even growing up on the street, I, I was a on a very interesting street. We were on a, a street that was uh, essentially starting, it was somewhere in between the city and the suburbs. So it wasn't fully suburbs. It wasn't fully city. We had houses on our street. Many of the people on our street owned their own houses or, or uh, had um, mortgages. Um, many black families, if not predominantly black families. But I grew up across the street from a drug house, just across the wow. street, up the street a little bit. And uh, it, it was one of those situations where uh, just very clearly there were expectations on who we are, who God made us to be, and what we we're going to do with our lives, and here are the boundaries to make sure you don't go astray. This podcast is about showcasing black professionals who are doing excellent things. But what is the definition of black excellence? Taking what you have and making the best of it can achieve things when literally like the whole entire system is designed like in ways that are like is designed to exclude us it doesn't matter what you start out with it matters where you go and then when you go you're not going just for you you're going to lead the way for someone else it means excelling at a high level while staying true to yourself and true to yourself in your black we still are able to, you know, just like go the extra mile or, you know, carry the extra weight that we need to carry just because of society and still achieve the things that we're able to achieve. And paying it forward, that's my definition of black excellence.
and it seemed that you really were successful in high school. You were able to go into Rice, Rice University. They definitely rejected me <laughs> when I was trying <laughs> to get into there. And uh, from there, from Rice, you were able to go to Baylor Medical School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you definitely did well in both high school and college. But before all of that, how hard was it to adapt? Was the experience that you had in, in Rice and Baylor, was that something that you expected or... What were some growing stuff that you learned? Yeah, so uh, I can give you some lessons. Again, uh, I'm going to say this over and over again because it's so true. I am blessed. Um, I was made to do what I'm doing right now uh, mm-hmm. when God created me before I was born. Um, for me, uh, because I had a pretty clear goal about where I was, I didn't exactly know what that entailed, but I knew I was going to be a doctor. And the path to doctor is pretty straightforward until you actually start training as a doctor. Then you have to make decisions where you go out to. But largely, it was a very clear path. You go to middle school, get to high school. Go to high school, go to college. Go to college, go to medical school. So very straightforward. Uh, I'm also very blessed to um, have when when, uh, my training uh, didn't keep up with my intelligence level at the time, my, again, my parents helped facilitate finding ways to keep me challenged. Uh, my mother would buy fifth and sixth grade workbooks for me to work on when I was in first and second grade, kind of mm-hmm. continued to push me. And that really set me up to do well. So I, I, had, I had seen it modeled. Um, I had been pushed. And so pushing myself in those contexts uh, was not uh, the challenge I faced in, in high school, college. Um, I went to a predominantly um, uh, white high school, St. Louis University High, one of the best high schools in St. Louis. Uh, predominantly white uh, with very few um, minority students. In fact, I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but I believe I started high school in my class with 12 and we graduated two of us, mm-hmm. uh, possibly three. So. Uh, it, it's 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 tough um, to uh, go through there to uh, have your friends had a great group of friends uh, minorities non minorities but to to see some of your friends struggle uh, and kind of have to still do your path I think I think there were some life lessons I learned just from perseverance mm-hmm. uh, from from supporting each other. Um, we, even when we did well or when we failed in various things, learning to f- support each other. And uh, similarly, in, in college and med school, uh, there are times where, uh, not even times where, you, I was a minority throughout my entire training. There were not many people that looked like me. And even now, black men in medicine is uh, a Definitely. thing. Definitely. It, it yeah. It's a penia, right? We, we have too few. And so uh, with that, it, it's, I, I definitely remember some of my friends struggling to deal with that isolation. Um, mm-hmm. I always took it as a, a challenge and a calling because to do better, we have to do better. We have to get through. You can't, you can't affect change. Sorry, let me, let me uh, change that a little bit. You can affect change anywhere, but you can affect more change the further along you get, right? So as a, as a high schooler, um, I can tell people, yes, let's get to med school, let's do our best. But as a doctor, 
I, I have a little bit more impact reaching back and saying, this can be done. Here's how it's done. Here's some ways to overcome. Let me help you. Definitely, definitely. I, I agree what you said. It's about being able to get in those rooms, even though that you do not have all the things you need to succeed, but you are ready to work hard and uh, acquire them and, and just get comfortable within that room. Right? Definitely. I, I think that's, that's definitely good advice. Uh, going back again to that same question in, in another way is, Kale, medical school is definitely... Uh, a big undertaking it's a big challenge right and it, it, as you said you definitely were blessed growing up learning and and being being ahead of the pack and being able to work hard through these challenges but were there at any point uh, maybe instead of not on the technical side but on the uh, education mental side i guess as far as when you started facing all these challenges and stuff like that were there any point that you or maybe any of your friends, you, you saw them just second guessing themselves like, this is not for me. Example, medical school, uh, just being one of the only black person there, it's easy to say that I don't fit in here. This is not for me. Yeah, yeah. Was I think that- so. So, um, yeah, and I remember uh, kind of thinking about this in preparation for this. Uh, again, I am blessed. That never entered my mind. I, I wow. think uh, the the... However, the, one of the things I tell people is that across your educational spectrum, in general, we will all reach the point where your natural ability is no longer able to carry you and you have mm. to turn on the next gear. And so for Under me, what? the next gear, okay. the next level. Uh, so for me, uh, grade school was pretty easy. Uh, high school was pretty straightforward. Uh, college was challenging, not because I couldn't handle the work, but because I was doing way too much. I was a EMT. I got my paramedic. There was a point in college where I was taking 12 or 14 hours per semester at the, at Rice and, and also taking 10 or 15 hours at the local community college to do my paramedic training and serving as a paramedic for not paramedic as an EMT for Rice University system and doing ride-alongs on ambulances and hospital time. And so that, that um, and, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Loved that time. Um, I didn't get much sleep and most of it's a blur, but I loved it. Um, I, I, but I absolutely tell people there's a point where your natural ability will no longer be able to carry you. Some people hit that in high school. Some people hit that in college. Some people hit that in medical school. And that is, I think, where that point of, is this for me? Uh, it, should I be doing this comes? I, uh, I try to continue to improve myself spiritually and otherwise. And as I said, I'm blessed. I'm going to say that a thousand times. But one of the things I try to tell people is that if it were easy to do mm-hmm. and simple, it's not worth it. It comes easy, it goes easy, and it's not your calling. Your calling shouldn't be something that you can do in a weekend and be done. Your calling should be something that you grow into, that challenges you, that, that brings you up higher, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's natural. It is natural to doubt yourself. It is natural to question. And that's that natural point of learning to turn it on to the next level.
Definitely, I, I think I think that's definitely well said. So you went you you went through Baylor and you, you after medical school residency and you became a physician, right? Uh, and I'm sure once you became a physician, right? You when you started working, you definitely uh, walked in so many rooms where you did not feel comfortable in. How did you hang on and how? Uh, and again, this is the not using your natural abilities, but being able to go out there and seeking the right things that you need to help yeah. you out. Yeah. Like how, how hard did you work on that? The, I think, I think that, um, the, the key is in my opinion, the key is to realize that everyone, for the most part, everyone's trying to do their best. And so when people look at you and make judgments, it's not, uh, they, it's not always that it's just pure racism or, or prejudice and they just hate you. Sometimes it's just the way they grew up. It's, it's the way they were taught. And in those situations, you are going to be a better model for what to do and how to act by modeling it yourself than by getting angry or yelling or, or responding in kind, right? And so, and that's hard. And it, but I think it is a lesson that my parents taught me that I've, mm -hmm. I've been able to kind of carry through. So you absolutely, I mean, even to this day, um, you walk in a room as a black man and the assumption is that you are not in charge, you're not the doctor, you're not, until they hear you speak, and then it's pretty clear, or in different contexts. Um, mm -hmm. I've been called radiology tech, I've been called environmental services, and I just smiled through it. And that, it, it's incredibly hard, because I think the world teaches us wrong. The world teaches us how to respond in a worldly way. Yeah. which is if somebody yells at you, you yell back. But if you're talking about your calling, if you're talking about your God-given talents and where you're going in your life, quite honestly, you don't have time to be dealing with the little stuff like that. You don't have time to figure out a response. And it feels good. Don't get me wrong. I've definitely failed in that sometimes. It feels mm -hmm. good to tell somebody off, right? Yeah. But that's, that's not the point. The point isn't to tell someone off. The point is to be a model uh, to help those around you reach what you're doing and to be a model to help change people's minds about what, um, you know, what it is to be successful, what it, what, what it is to be an African-American male walking in the room and do and say and how you carry yourself. So there's, all, there's, a, there's a responsibility that comes with becoming a professional and following your calling. And so I try to remember that as much as possible. Um, the, the challenge is realizing that everybody, at every moment, everybody's making a judgment about you. And as, especially as a black male, they're wrong. They've gotten many, many things wrong. Um, I've entered many rooms where people assume I'm only there because of affirmative action and a scholarship and everything else. And uh, if I were going to try to help people uh, to hear this and listen and be inspired, so what? So what they think X? So what they think Y or Z about me? I know why I'm here. 
I've been put here, I've been called to be here, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, no matter how. This podcast is about showcasing black professionals who are doing excellent things. But what is the definition of black excellence? Taking what you have and making the best of it. Can achieve things when literally like the whole entire system is designed like in ways that are like is designed to exclude us. It doesn't matter what you start out with. It matters where you go. And then when you go, you're not going just for you. You're going to lead the way for someone else. It means excelling at a high level while staying true to yourself and true to yourself in your black. We still are able to, you know, just like go the extra mile or, you know, carry the extra weight that we need to carry just because of society and still achieve the things that we're able to achieve. And paying it forward. That's my definition of black excellence. I also think it's definitely better to take your time and teach someone because most of the time when somebody do that to you, they expect you to react. They expect yeah. you to tell them off, right? So yeah. if you actually change their, pers- change their per- perspective and help them you understand, I feel like they'll even respect you at a higher level. They, they yeah. won't get what they expect out of you. And sometimes I, I think those acts of uh, racism and stuff like that, all those issues are things, you're right. Sometimes it's lack of knowledge, definitely, right? Yeah. But that that's on them. That That's definitely on them. Yeah, it's right? on them. It's not on, yes, yeah. And that's yeah. hard. Don't get me wrong. This is not the answer to all racial issues in life. But as far as you pursuing your calling and people doing things that distract you, that hinder you, that devalue you, they have no bearing on you. They have, they, so what? You can exactly. keep growing. Exactly. And I feel like it takes a lot of strength to be able to analyze the situation and get away, get away, either teach or get away. I think it's even going to leave them speechless, right? Yeah, definitely. No, that's amazing. So another question that I was on, like, one of the, the main reasons for this podcast is to help uh uh, young black kings and queens, especially in the inner cities, to know that these options, being a doctor, being a, a engineer, being an entrepreneur, is definitely options for them. How do you think we could get uh, these kids, uh, especially in the inner cities, again, to pursue this, uh, these kind of fields, to help them, uh, not just pursue, but be able to come in here and be comfortable, know that they are supposed to be in these fields? Yeah. So um, I would say, so several things. It's, it's such a, that's such a rich question. I'm only going to give a small piece of the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I think the biggest thing is having the dream in front of you, right? Being able to see the goal. And that's where we are failing a lot of times. The vision of a physician in most people's mind, if, if you had a hundred people right off the street, close their eyes and imagine a doctor. Not many of them are going to imagine a minority, right? Um, not many of them are going to imagine a woman, right? And, and I could go on and on about other uh, different aspects that, uh, that are part of life, part of the spectrum, part of the beauty of life uh, is that we are different. 
Um, the, so when you close your eyes and you tell someone, uh, you tell certain people to imagine their future, they might think of what they're doing tomorrow or maybe what they're going to do to quote unquote, get rich versus what their calling is and what, what, what kind of impact they'll leave and where they see their careers and their growth. So I think one of the most important things is to help people get that vision in front of them so wow. that they have something to reference. Because when it gets hard, it's, it's, that, it's that reference point that helps you. When you're challenged, it's the reference point. And I, I, I think, too, uh, if, you, if you are one being led by God and uh, it is your calling on life, you're going to be pruned, too. So some setbacks are meant to be there and are good, right? So wow. if, you, if you have a problem with anger and your calling is to lead, at some point, you might have to have that anger worked out of you, right? Yeah. So you may be thrown into situations that make you angry so that you can learn to come up higher, right? If wow. you have a challenge, and like I said, uh, you know, you could talk to pretty much anybody. If you, if you play sports, you play video games, you read, you write, whatever it is. Uh, if, if you do something and it's easy, it's a waste of your time. It's pointless. You don't want to do it again. You go, you go to a carnival, you come up to a game, you do the game, it's really easy, and you get a plastic ring. That, you don't want to go back to that. That was a waste of your time. But you go somewhere else in that carnival, you got this game that's technically difficult. You got to focus. And there's a big reward. There's a big stuffed teddy bear at the end. And your sister wants this teddy bear. You need to get this teddy bear for her. Right? You're focused. You're, you have a vision ahead of you. The challenge actually adds to the value of what you do and your path. And I think, I think so many times... People look at uh, challenges and, and difficulties as messages that they shouldn't be doing things. They're supposed to be there. That's what's helping to make you stronger, right? Definitely. You don't go lift weights and pick up a five-pound weight and just do that 100 times. You put more weight on that, right? If, you go, if, if I saw you in a gym and you put on five-pound weights on both sides of a barbell and started bench pressing, I might laugh at you right? Definitely. You're going to challenge yourself. You're going to put the more weights on. You're going to push yourself. And some of those things that happen in life are to push you, are to help you grow. And I think people don't think about that, don't understand that. And, uh, but at the same time, I think one of the other biggest things we can do are efforts like these to get people out there, get their stories out there, inspire, to help, to reach back so that people know they can be overcome. Right. People know that that uh, their dream is attainable and that that challenges are part of the process. But here are people that made it and continue to grow. I'm still on a path. I've hit a certain level of where I should be. And that's the beautiful thing about a calling. Once you get to this mountaintop, you're able to see, oh, there's my next mountain. Mm. Right. I couldn't see it before because I wasn't here, but now that I'm here, I can get there. And not only that, look at these other people around me also trying to climb up. While I'm figuring out how I get to my next mountain, let me figure out how to help others get where I am or get further or even do better than I did 
uh, while I'm here, right? So I think those are the sort of key critical points. Definitely not everything, but key critical. That's amazing. One thing that you mentioned is the idea of uh, getting career, focusing on a career versus a legacy. I think that's definitely uh, important. And that's something very hard for young people to, to, to get. It's something that you have to really critically think and yes. figure yeah. your pros and cons. Because the, the message uh, for, from various different sources, uh, not pointing a finger at any one place, but the message in general we hear right now is get it, get it now. Whatever it yes. is, get it, get it right now, get it good, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But if you're talking about your calling, your purpose, then you're not talking about something that's attained in a week or a month. You're talking about a lifelong journey. And people don't look at it like that. Yeah, definitely. And advice is always amazing, right? But the thing about when you want to build your legacy, <laughs> Nobody should know your legacy more than you. You should know what you want out of life when you leave the world, right? How would mm-hmm. you like to be remembered, right? Absolutely. And nobody should craft that for you. Absolutely. Definitely. So, yeah, turning that corner, what, what is your favorite things about your job? Like, what are some fun things that you get to do now as a physician? I, I love, uh, so uh, I am, like I said, I'm primarily an educator. I love figuring out what people think and helping them to think, uh, I'll say, quote unquote, better, more efficiently, more logically, um, thinking about thinking about thinking. Metacognition is the term thinking about thinking. Uh, when I work with my residents, uh, I like to make faces at them. So as a as a medical student and as a resident, you learn to look at your attending and try to read their face to determine if you're doing the right thing. Right. Because you want to seem smart and you want to have the right answer. I do my best to make faces and confuse students and residents because I want them to tell me what they think. I don't want you to read my face. Mm -hmm. I want to know what you're thinking so we can elevate that level of thinking. So I really Mm -hmm. love that. And I also just love being able to take care of patients. So I speak pretty good Spanish, especially medical Spanish. Uh, We take care of a lot of people at Ben Taub in Houston as part of Baylor that most of the rest of the city and arguably most of the world don't care about, right? Poor, underserved, uninsured, underinsured. Uh, And so we get to take care of these patients. And it's challenging. It's it's very challenging sometimes, but because of that, it's incredibly rewarding. So those are some of my favorite pieces. Definitely. What about vacation? Do you get time to do vacation? Yes. Every once in a while, you know. <laughs> what are some highlights of the kind of vacation you get to do now? You know, I'm, I'm easy. If you give me a pool, <laughs> some sun, and a nice waiter or waitress to bring food and drinks on a regular basis, I'm <laughs> good. That's, that's a good two weeks for me right there. So I'm, I'm pretty easy. And in fact, we're, um, you know, in the, in the COVID era, we have to be creative. We're trying to find things that are safe, that aren't exposing ourselves, but are still uh, vacation. But we're actually looking right now to try to find something to do uh, somewhere in October, November, just to get some time together as a family. So That's amazing. That's amazing. Definitely. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Pillow. This was Definitely amazing. I just talking to you, getting your perspective on things. 
Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I made the black queen's grace continually mesmerize the millions who couldn't see it when looking into her eyes. And the black man's plight no longer be the disguise. Oppression emasculation, they want to castracize it. I just want to be me. I just want to be free. I just want liberty, equity, and democracy. I just want to believe in the good of society. I just want to believe that they ain't been lying to me. I want equality. want no more poverty. I want people to tell you it's more black people in jail for committing crimes. The blacks and whites are committing equally. I want the corporate interest to crumble before my feet I want them to stop selling your rights to powers that be I want a third term for Obama we'll never see No Democrat, no Republican, me, I want unity I want the righteous voice speaking to my community Don't listen to what they say and look at what they say to see I want you to know the truth, but for that you will have to see All people are beautiful, but you best know mine